Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Feeling pretty good? It's been a good day already. Um, thank you, Keith, for taking like all my time. Really appreciate that. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Oh, so good. Um, so, so good. I, I oftentimes am just reminded on Sunday mornings in preparation um, in communion with the Father as I'm, you know, praying or going through songs or wh- whatever it is, communicating with the team. Like, I'm just really reminded of what Sunday mornings represent. And for me, as I've communicated before, what Sunday mornings really represent is, is an opportunity for all of our stories with all of their complexities to get into the same room for the same purpose. And this morning, I really feel like uh, we did a really good job as a body of just honoring the Father and just welcoming Him into the room um, and, and just making this a place of praise. And that's what Sundays represent. It's where we bring all of our stories and all of their complexities and all of the ups and all of the downs and all of the things. <laughs> and we come into the room united in purpose just to place our focus on Jesus and to celebrate him. And honestly, this morning, I'm just super honored and grateful to get to be a part of a body that has done just that this morning. And so, well done. Uh, it's really, really exciting. Also, I'm still trying to figure out how to open the new communion cups without spilling them. Is anybody else with me? Like, it's like, okay. It's, so I'm not the only one. I'm like opening it out here like, I don't know what to do, but I'm trying. It's different. It's like a real church thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you get used to one form of communion cup and then there's a curveball. They taste a lot better, though. Can we agree on that? They do taste a lot better. Um, gluten-free, it's better for everyone. I don't know if they're gluten-free, actually. They taste better, though. Anyway, let's pray. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Let's get into this thing. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for this body. Thank you for this family. God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that your presence is calm. Thank you that you've already established the foundation of what you want to do. You've established the, the foundation of expectation um, because your presence is here and because we've worshipped you with anticipation and with expectation in our hearts. So, Lord, I pray that you would come and you would honor the hearts of your people in this room, the hearts of your sons, the hearts of your daughters. And I was just reading this morning that those who delight themselves in the Lord will receive the desires of their heart. Lord, I pray, um, Lord, I just acknowledge this morning that we are actually one in heart as a body, as a spiritual family. And that oneness is this, is we delight ourselves in you. Lord, I want what you want. I want to receive what you want to pour out. I want to do what you want to do. And so, Lord, I pray that that is the place from which we engage in the remainder of the service as we hear your word. And, uh, Lord, we want what you want. We thank you for your presence. In in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue a message that I started a couple weeks ago, a message called Promise, Power, Provision. So if you'll remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the promises of God. Um, one, first and foremost, acknowledging that the Lord actually has promises laid up in store for you. Like the Lord has said things to you. The Lord has said things about you, whether through the promises of his word or maybe a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, some, ty- some type of encounter. Like the Lord actually has 
promises for you. And we talked about removing the language barrier as we receive those promises from heaven. And I shared this, that the majority of my personal prayer life looks a lot, it looks like a lot more agreeing with what he said than asking for new things, right? And so being rooted in this season, being rooted in this season and saying, God, whatever you have for me today, whatever you have for me in this moment, as we accrue credibility in the kingdom over the, over the decades, I want to live in the day, but I want to measure by the decade. I want to live in the day, but measure by the decade. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And just receiving and stewarding well those promises um, that the Father has given us. So that's what we talked about. And I believe that as we steward well the promises of God in our life, what it does is it opens us up to receive the power of God. And that is where we're going to spend our time this morning is talking about the power of God. If you want to flip with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to read first. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and start to get there. To set the stage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has actually just gone on for the start of this verse, verse 1 through 8. We're going to hop in in verse 9. I welcome you to go read the rest of the, the chapter. It's really, really good. The book is really, really good. But verse 1 through 8 represents Paul doing this. So he's writing this letter, and what he's talking about is all these incredible encounters that he's had with the Lord. He talks about, like, entering into, like, the second heaven, the third heaven, and, like, pushing into the presence of God, and, like, there's this manifest power and presence and God's done all these incredible things through this experience that he had. Like he's going on and on. It's this really like high praise celebratory thing. And then we land in verse nine and I want you to pay special attention to the language that Paul uses as he communicates his encounters with the Lord, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says this. Each time he said, this is God speaking to Paul. Each time he said, my grace is all you need my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast. This is Paul speaking. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness. So that in the power of Christ, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love verse 9 that he says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness. So after Paul has gone on and on talking about these encounters with the Lord, these supernatural things that have happened in his life, he still chooses this thing to boast in. He's got all the credibility. He's got all the street cred. He's got all these incredible, encounter, incredible encounters with the Lord that he could boast about. But instead, he chooses to say this, I boast in my weakness. I got plenty of weakness to go around. Anybody else? I got plenty of weakness to go around. That's the reality of life. And I think there's something really sacred and really special for us to, to collect from Paul's writing this morning that he boasts in his weakness. The premise of today's message, if I could summarize it, it would be this. Kingdom power is not measured by what is achievable in your strength. It's measured by what's achievable in your weakness. Kingdom power is not measured by what is achievable in your strength. It's measured by what's achievable in your weakness. Oftentimes, I've heard this scripture, and I've interpreted it as, in my weakness, he is strong. Right? In my weakness, he is strong. 
And the first part of this text actually points to that, that his grace is made perfect. His provision is made perfect in my weakness. But the truth is this, like God's always strong. So that's kind of a layup. Like that's a given. In my weakness, he's strong, but he's always strong. But the end of this verse says that in my weakness, I am strong. The Lord oftentimes communicates to me through pictures, through visions, lots of time through animated movies, because uh, I have three kids and we watch a lot of animated movies. I wanna throw a picture up in just a second. And I, oftentimes, um, inherently and accidentally, what I tend to view myself as historically um, is this image when it comes to my faith. Okay, show, show them the picture. Okay, come on. You're gonna have to bear with me a little bit here. Anybody? <laughs> This is, this is the Little Mermaid, all right? This is King Triton. Did anybody know that? It's King Triton, right? So this is after he got Ursula, right? So he gets Ursula and he finds himself sitting like surrounded by, this is how I envision this, like surrounded by the potential of what he could be, the remembrance of what he was. Come on, go with me. As he sits in the middle of this crown, it's like he can see, he can remember what he used to be, but he's also really aware of what he's not. Come on, just leave this for just a second. Yeah, we're gonna, I don't know, this is what we're doing this morning, okay? You're just gonna have to go with me, right? Here we are. How many times do we actually find ourselves in this same scenario? Maybe you remember who you used to be. Maybe you remember the promises of God. Or maybe you have yet to achieve the, the thing that was said over your life, the promises, the power, the provision that the Father has spoken over you and here you sit and you feel like this like lowly post-Ursula worm thingy. I don't know what he's actually called. Come on, this is actually not who you are. Scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I am strong. You see, David talks about encouraging himself in his most holy faith. If this is the way you perceive yourself, then this, in fact, will be the reality that you live in. But it's important that you understand that the Father never one time ever has seen you this way. You see, what I want to challenge you to do this morning is step up into your identity as a son and as a daughter of the Most High God who never once saw you this way. The only person who would ever perceive you this way is yourself. Thus, the importance of encouraging yourself in your most holy faith, encouraging yourself, reminding yourself daily of who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been. I don't care how recent. The reality is this. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And I feel like I can't, like, I, this is just, like, burned in my mind, okay? It's, like, burned in my mind. I refuse to engage with my purpose on this earth as this mustached little worm. It's not going to happen. That's not who I am, and that's not who you are. In my weakness, he is strong, but in my weakness, I am strong as well. You see, weakness, it does not equal failure. Your response to weakness is what determines that. See, I want to, I want to like encourage you this morning to stop viewing your weakness, right? So we had this word about freedom, incredible word, incredible moment about freedom. Well, what happens when temptation comes again inevitably? Like, well, what happens whenever all of a sudden that sin issue that you've been wrestling with, you find yourself staring it straight in the face again? Well, you feel weak. You feel like I don't have what it takes. Maybe you slip. Maybe you fall. What, maybe it's a sickness, an insecurity, whatever, whatever that thing is. Every single time weakness stares you in the face, it's an opportunity for you to realize that it's an opportunity for strength 
to manifest in your life. I remember I wasn't very good at football for what it's worth, but I loved playing football when I was in middle school. And um, I played tight end. And I remember I had a coach one time tell me this. He said that, uh, stop laughing at me whenever I say that, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, loved, I, I loved playing, but I remember like, I didn't have this thing inside of me that was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna freaking score a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Like there's this like kill switch that's supposed to engage. And I remember I had a coach one time tell me this. He's like, you know, just cause they hit you doesn't mean you have to go down. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like seems, it seems so simple. Like just cause they hit you doesn't mean you have to go down. And so I remember it was like this light bulb came on and it's so silly to even think about this, but it was like, oh yeah. Like I actually am maybe a little bit faster. Maybe, maybe I'm at least running a little bit faster. Maybe I'm a little bit stronger. Maybe I conditioned a little bit harder. The truth is this, because of God's grace on your life in this season, just cause it hits you, you don't have to go down. You can stand, you can stand, you can stand, you can stand. And why? Because you acknowledge the fact that in my weakness, I am strong. Now, this is a faith principle. This is a faith principle that actually makes no sense. How can I be weak, but still like be strong and not like, you need a new grace for this season in your life. There are certain things, there are certain principles in your life that you can't just physically or tangibly comprehend in your mind. So this morning, we're gonna have an opportunity in a little while just to receive this grace that takes it from like this head knowledge of understanding, but actually turns it and converts it into this heart knowledge that now you get to live with the authority in. You can't muster up enough strength to understand that in your weakness, you are strong. You just, you actually can't do it. It takes grace from, from the Father for you to be able to operate as who he's called you to be. Weakness does not equal failure. Your response to weakness is what determines that. Hmm. Recently, my wife and I, uh, we, we engaged in like a six-week counseling session with Sam Eldridge with the Wild at Heart organization. And he, uh, he started this, he started a conversation with me with a question. It's a pretty like typical like counselor question if you've ever done any counseling. And the question was this, how you doing? <laughs> and uh, I remember being like, I was like, oh man, I'm, you know, like generally whenever that question is asked, like you've probably been asked that question a hundred times this morning since you've been here. Like, hey man, how you doing? Oh, good. Family's good. How's work? It's good. All right, cool. See you, bud, Pat, move on. Like, <laughs> but he asked me this question, how you doing? And it's like all of a sudden I just became really aware of how not good I was doing. <laughs> and so I just like started to just become really aware of how not well I was. And I'm like, man, I'm actually like really stressed and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm over, overextended and I feel like I don't have enough to give. And what's a guy to do when he feels like he's giving all he's got, but it's still not enough. And I'm coming up short in this area, this area, this area. And by the end of my comment, like my statement, I'm like sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> And I'm like, are you glad you asked how I'm doing? Because this is my reality right now. And uh, sometimes it's just true. Like it's, it's actually okay to acknowledge the weakness in your life. And I think sometimes like just vocalizing where you are, now you have language for where you are so you can develop and cultivate the tools to not stay where you are. But if you just faith steamroll your way through stuff, 
You ever acknowledge the fact that maybe you're kind of in a funk and you need some like brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers to like pull you out of that funk? You very well could just stay there looking like post-Ursula King Triton. And so as I was sharing this, he goes, man, it's like, man, thanks for being so honest. He's very kind. He's very quiet. He's very like, you know, and I'm like, that's me. That's where I am. That's how it's going. And uh, he said, all right. He said, I want to ask you a question because I have a, a six-year-old son. His name's Canyon. He said, I want you to fast forward 20 years and imagine that your son, Canyon, in response to the same question I asked you, you ask him, and he shares the exact same sentiment with you. Okay, so Canyon's 26, and he's telling me as his father, at the age of, whatever, 51, 52, oh, that's hard to think of, 51, 52, <laughs> ah, getting old. Like, um, imagine he says that same thing back to you. And I just, I thought I was crying before. Now I'm imagining my son feeling what I'm feeling, and I'm like, freaking out, like crying. And he said, now I just want you to like role play and say to him what you would say to him as a father. And so I, I said, all right, what I would say was you're, you're doing better than you think you are, son. Second thing would be to zoom the lens out on your life and evaluate your effort through the lens of your impact. And then the third thing was that's not the voice of a loving father. And quickly I realized this, that that's actually what the father was saying over my own life. And I believe what the father would even say over your life today in this season now. One, you're doing better than you think you are. Two, zoom the lens out and evaluate your efforts through the lens of your impact. And three, that's not the voice of a loving father. If I asked this morning, if I asked you to just give me like a positives and a weakness list for your own, inter like your own life, like, like give me 10 really good things about you and then give me 10 really not good things about you. We could come up with that not good list really, really fast, really, really fast. But oftentimes because of shame, because of pressure we put on ourselves, because of evidence of our season, because of negative words spoken over us, it, become, it can become really, really difficult to identify good things about ourselves. Furthermore, God things about ourselves that he has actually placed inside of you. I've heard it said that people are encouraged by you through stories of strength, but they're endeared to you by stories of weakness. In my weakness, I'm strong. In my weakness, his grace is sufficient, and that makes me strong. It's important to realize our story, where you are right now in this current season, like in proper context. And every story, I've, I've said this before, but I love stories. I love all types of stories. I love hearing people's real stories. I love fiction stories. I love, especially love like war stories. Like I just love stories. And there's a common thing in every single story. There's always a hero, there's always a villain, and there's always some form of like a damsel in distress, someone who needs rescued, like somebody who is in peril. And I think it's really, really important to identify where you are in your story right now 
and actually just be okay with that. Like we're really good at being the hero, like feeling like we're the hero. Also, it's really easy to identify when we're not the hero, like when we're the villain, when we're the bad guy. It's like, okay, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. I'm an idiot. I messed up. I'm sorry. Like it's, it's, it's oftentimes easy to identify as one of these two. But there's this third role that I want to become increasingly more comfortable in. That is the person who just needs to be rescued. Come on, the Father actually really, really wants to meet you where you are. He really, really wants to meet you in this chapter of your story, here and now. So where do you find yourself? You find yourself stressed and labored at work. You find yourself like feeling like you don't have enough to give in your family. or You feel like, like there's not enough time in the day and you can't give the Lord what he truly deserves as a reward. Like where, where are you right now? I remember this encounter that I had with the Lord um, as, I, as I was getting ready in the morning, I was just like sitting there and feeling kind of overwhelmed by some pressures in my life. And um, I remember listening to a song by Jonathan, David, and Melissa Helser. And there was like this instrumental part of, instrumental, uh, part of this song. Uh, Keith talked a second ago about like letting the music like just prophesy over you and work in you and minister to you. Like it was one of those moments. And so I'm sitting there and it's, it's just like this like repetitive note. And as I had been just talking to the Lord and reminding myself of what he said over me and all these different things, it's like all of a sudden I saw myself sitting. I saw myself sitting in the middle of uh, these woods, right? So I love the woods. I love the wilderness. I love to hunt. I, like I love all that. But in this situation, I found myself like really uncomfortable, and it was, I was lost. And I was wearing this headlamp and it was kind of dimming. And it was like slowly dimming and it was nighttime. And I'm about to be sitting in the middle of nowhere, like in complete and utter darkness. And then I hear like these footsteps coming. And they start speeding up. And as this music is playing over me, what happens is, is I see, I see, and I know it's the Lord. I see him turn this corner. And I see him like sprinting. It's like this aisle right here between these rows. Like I see him sprinting to me. And it's like in the moment I just realized like, oh yeah, I've been writing myself into my story as the hero that's just pegged against the ropes, like ready to come out swinging. When the reality is this, in my story in that season, I was actually just sitting like waiting for someone to rescue me. And all of a sudden the father just races down this aisle and he picks me up scoops me up under my arms like I do with my kids, and he starts to just spin me in circles, and it's like this joyous moment. I've been found. I've been rescued. And I just want to welcome you to this place of acknowledgement that the Lord actually wants to rescue you. Come on, write yourself into the story in appropriate context. He wants to rescue you. I want to read Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verse 6 through 8. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, I love this. He said, the, the father alone has the authority, authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. In other words, mind your business. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I love. Like, get the context here. The disciples are like, 
All right, has the time come? Give us a scoop. What's the skinny? What's the tea? We want to know what's going on. Like, what's coming up? Or is it time? Is, are you going to do this? And he's like, whoa, none of your business. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So I, I propose to you this. In your life, in your season, in this chapter, currently right now, you actually don't need more knowledge you actually don't need more information. You actually don't need more time. What you actually need is more Holy Spirit power in your life. I love it because there's like this continual thing inside of us, like this quest for knowledge. It goes all the way back to Genesis. The, 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 uh, they were instructed not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. Instead, what do they do? They traded their security in the Father, the relationship they had with him. I mean, Adam was walking with God himself in the cool of the day. Like, talk about intimacy with the Father. Yet they traded that intimacy with the Father and the confidence that they were doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Here and now, they traded it for the idea that knowledge was the thing that they needed. When the reality is this, they were actually living in God's exact perfect plan of intimacy. So what I believe is this, oftentimes the desire for knowledge is the counterfeit version of intimacy with the Father. You don't need more knowledge. You don't need to know what's around the corner. You don't need to know what's going to happen in a decade. You don't need to know what happens if you take the step that the Father has asked you to do. If you steward the promise that the Father has given you, you actually don't need to know what lies on the other side of that yes. What you need is more Holy Spirit power, and that comes with faith. See, while the disciples in Acts chapter 1 were craving more knowledge, the Father was leading them and guiding them to more power. And that comes through intimacy with the Lord. Okay, Lord, like, I don't know what's next. I don't know where we're going. I, all I have is this word, but, like, yes. <laughs> if you get, like, a rush in your heart even thinking of that, like, all right, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. It completely contradicts, like, my education or, like, I, like it, it contradicts, like, maybe these things that I've been raised and conditioned to believe. But, like, yes. <laughs> like, there's something about just saying yes to the Lord and you are met with Holy Spirit power. So how do you cultivate this power? You have a promise. You've got promise from the Lord. Things that he said about you, things that he said over you. He wants to give you Holy Spirit power. So how do you cultivate this power? What's that look like? I remember being a kid and um, my dad, so I was raised, I was raised Pentecostal and my, <laughs> I, heard, I heard a comedian say this a while back. My parents were bilingual. So they spoke English and they spoke in tongues. <laughs> Those are the two languages that my parents spoke. But my dad prayed in the spirit all the time. Like all the time. And I remember being a kid and I would ride. Uh, we had a single cab pickup for a lot of my childhood, an old Chevrolet. And I would ride next to him. And I remember I would sit in the passenger seat and he would drive. And he would just be like mumbling under his breath. Like just, and I knew, exact, I knew exactly what he was doing. But I remember being a boy and just asking my dad, like, what did what'd you say? What, what was that you said? Because I loved hearing my dad say this. Oh, I'm just talking to the Lord. Oh, I'm just talking to the Lord. 
So what does it look like to steward the promise of God well in your life? And to receive the power that comes along with that promise in your life? I believe that it looks like daily committing to just moving the, the needle just tick by tick by tick by tick by tick by tick by tick and continual prayer without ceasing. It's actually like not some grand formula of dropping everything and going to ministry school and it's maybe that's your path, that's great. But maybe it's just saying yes more in every area and every facet of your life. Maybe it's just praying in the spirit. Maybe it's just spending more time in communion with the Lord. Of all the things, all the encounters that I've ever had, and I have had many, I mean, deliverance and freedom and tears and hands raised and snot bubbles at the altar. Like I've had these incredible encounters with the Lord. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 13 in an altar at youth camp. Like, I, like I've got all these incredible encounters with the Lord. Yet still, the thing I remember most the thing that maybe most deeply impacted me by my father was the fact that he continually prayed and he regularly sought the Lord. That's how you cultivate power. I believe that wholeheartedly. Mm. Quest for knowledge oftentimes is the counterfeit of the intimacy that you're called to live in with the Father. Yeah, could you just trust that you're actually in the season you're supposed to be in right now? Like, don't get ahead, don't get the cart before the horse. Like, can you just trust that right now? In the uncomfortability of the season, maybe you've been challenged, maybe you've been put on hold, maybe you've, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. But can you just trust that you're where you're supposed to be? Can you trust that he's actually making all things work together for the good of those who love him? Maybe. <laughs> Kingdom power is not measured by what's achievable in your strength. It's measured by what's achievable in your weakness. As we prepare to close this morning, I, honestly, um, I just wanna read this, I wanna read this passage over you guys and this is the provision of the Father in your life. I feel it very important to kind of tie all this up um, with, with this provision. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna make it. Hold fast, hold tight, stay the course. You're gonna make it. That's, that's his promise, you're gonna be okay. There's provision that comes when you steward the promise of the Lord, you receive and you cultivate the power of God in your life. And with those elements combined, there is a provision that comes by way of grace in your life in this season, yeah? I just wanna ask you to close your eyes. I'm gonna read Isaiah chapter 41. I'm gonna read 10 verses. It's gonna take me just a second. But I want you honestly just to listen to this and to receive this as the promise of the Lord over your life. Isaiah chapter 41, verse eight through 18 says this. But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, Descended from Abraham, my friend, my friend. I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant for I have chosen you and I will not throw you away. 
Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid. People of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. You will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. You will tear your enemies apart, making chaff of mountains. You will, tear, uh, you will toss them into the air and the wind will blow them away. A whirlwind will scatter them. Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will, you, you will glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and needy sh- search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I just, and you can look up here for just another moment. I've just got, um, I've just like got this vision for the body of Christ just refusing to fear. Like, I just won't be scared. I, I, will, I won't be scared. I, I refuse to be scared. Because there's this declaration, there's these promises in his word that say you're going to make it. That say you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Just stay there, son. Just stay there, daughter. You're going to be, you're fine. You're good. You're accomplishing your purpose. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. Yeah. You have a promise. You have power, and he's given you provision. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.